Oh, good idea, and welcome to the re-wrap for Monday. All the best bits from the Mike Hosking breakfast on News Talk ZB in a sillier package. I am Glenn ZB. And uh, this morning, the uh, US election uh, might have a late entrant. Uh, apartment living seems to be over-the-top expensive. The weird Mount Albert tree decision and uh, we'll get heavily into Plovergate, or Plovergate, depending on what school you went to. But yes, but first up, uh, who's uh, stuck their hand up for president? His other major advantage is, like Trump, he's got lots of money. Now, money isn't everything. Ask Tom Steyer, fellow billionaire that spent more than anybody else in the Democratic field so far for exactly... No return. Uh, The reason Bloomberg will run if he does is because he's worked out, like the rest of us, as it becomes increasingly possible Elizabeth Warren could be the nominee, so goes the chances of the Democratic Party of getting to the White House. He's clearly dismissed Biden as a realistic contender of a centrist nature, and those under different circumstances who might pass as centrists, people like Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg, haven't for whatever reason been able to get traction. Which brings us to his weak point. Who are his supporters? You need to have an obvious constituency. That's why Trump won. He collected the disaffected, the angry, the patriots. Warren and Sanders collect the left-leaning interventionists. Trump's great advantage is he's engineered an environment of extremism. To beat him, you need to be anti-him. And anti-him appears for many to be high taxes, public health care, climate change obsession and phenomenal amounts of spending, the sort of stuff that under normal circumstances isn't a winning combination. Biden, if it wasn't for his age, his obvious frailty in history with Obama, might have been an answer, but it's become abundantly clear he's an OK candidate, not an ideal one. Bloomberg clearly sees himself filling that gap. Now, I said last week that if Warren is the Dems pick, Trump has four more years. If Bloomberg enters, one, you know he's got the numbers, and two, if he's got the numbers... We've got a real race. Weird. So I still find it weird uh, that Mike gives Sanders absolutely no chance in this at all when he's the really unclear alternative, but that's just me. Uh, and, and he'd be a really opposite alternative to Bloomberg, of course. Uh, let's, uh, while we're talking um, capitalism, have you seen how much apartments cost? There's a number of things over the weekend. Discovered Apple streaming. Uh, that I'll tell you about later on. Uh, when I say discovered it, my wife did it all. I just sat there and watched some of it. Anyway, uh, I upgraded myself to a spray backpack unit. And I cannot tell you how much that's revolutionised my life. Having a spray unit on the back of your um, you know, backpack is just an extraordinary thing. Uh, supercars, I watched the supercars, and there are a lot of stories associated with the supercars over the weekend, some of which will reflect after 8 o'clock in the commentary box. But I also ended up looking at apartments. And I'm fascinated by apartments. I'm a big apartment fan. And, and one of the things I did notice yesterday, Wellington has now these days uh, just some absolutely spectacular apartments. And I'm a big apartment fan. And apartment living's come of age in this country. And there was a story on the news last night about some building in Auckland that had won some award. And, you know, it was it's the way of the future. The days of the quarter acre paradise, especially in urban centres, are slowly but surely going. Anyway, here was my concern not about Wellington and the apartments, but uh, this morning we hear that uh, it's, it's happening in Australia too. Size of the house, average house in Australia being built is going down. Average size of the apartment is going up. So Australia is second in the world in terms of size of dwelling. Combined apartments, houses, 189 square metres on average. We're third, by the way. America's obviously the biggest. They're second. We're third. But here's the problem with apartments in this country. And I was looking at a couple of these apartments, and, and this is in various parts of the country. And you read these days... And you say three-bedroom, three-bathroom apartment, you think, oh, that's a sizable little number. I like the sound of that one. Turns out to be like 140 square metres. Three bedrooms, three bathrooms, 
in 140 square metres. And then you look at the price that they're asking for these apartments. Do you know what they're running out at these days? And this, this in many respects, is the crux of the problem with the so-called housing crisis in New Zealand. It is $30,000 a square metre. That's what it costs, $30,000 a square metre. It wasn't so long ago that a house would cost two or $3,000 a square metre. And if you wanted a really flash one, it was $10,000 a square metre. I got a garage built recently, a barn, $3,500 a square metre. It's a barn, for God's sake, $3,500 a square metre. So you're running apartments out at $30,000 a square metre. Just just visualise a square metre, and that's $30,000. Now, how do you justify that? And at $30,000 a square metre, you're living in a box after a while, because unless you want to spend millions, literally millions, on an apartment, you can't afford to live in one. So the whole idea that they were cheaper and a better way of living, I don't know anymore because at 30000 and they're not all that much, of course they're not, but these good ones are $30,000 a square metre. I don't know where we're going with this. Who can afford millions and millions and millions of dollars for a small, what is essentially stylish, yes, but ultimately a box. Basically, uh, well, I came away from that with a mental image of him uh, sitting in an apartment watching Apple Plus uh, with a knapsack sprayer on his back. Which is probably not anything like as weird as what he actually was doing all weekend. Uh, one thing he was doing was uh, worrying about the trees they were going to cut down in Mount Albert. So back to these exotic trees in Mount Albert. Now here's the weird thing about this. So the council have got a plan to plant natives. Nothing wrong with that. I love natives. I've planted 7,500 of them lately at my place. When I say I have, I haven't, but I paid the bill. But nevertheless, 7,500 natives are wonderful. But you've got 350 exotics there that are doing nobody any harm at all. There's nothing wrong with them. They're not diseased. They're doing nothing but looking beautiful. So leave them alone. Why would you want to go in wantingly, destructively to cut down a series of trees that don't need cutting down just to put some natives in? Put some natives in. Put them in with the exotics, for goodness sake. How hard can it be? Why would you want to create work and spend a lot of time and money, not to mention get right up the nose of the local community, for no good reason at all, for goodness sake. Yeah, so basically I think what he's suggesting there is what we need is a great big melting pot big enough for all the trees. That's sort of an arbory melting pot. Turn out coffee-coloured trees from all over the world. Uh, some people were worried about the nesting birds, and that got him talking about this. Good morning, Mike. Right in the middle of the bird nesting season, the council want to cut down the trees. So true. It's a very good point. I was greeted um, greeted in the country over the weekend by about eight little ducklings, tiny little ducklings in the pond, beautiful little ducklings, and a tiny little screaming plover. And it's funny, our old screaming plover, because we've had the, the same birds are on our land, and they sort of seem to live there. And we've got four of these birds that were white, grey, and yellow, and they made a hell of a lot of noise. And I thought, what the hell are they? They're the only one I couldn't recognise. Got a heron. Got some kingfisher. Uh, anyway, I thought, what on earth is that? Anyway, I finally worked out they were screaming plover. And they have had one successful birth, a little miniature screaming plover, tiny little thing. But they're very like magpies, the screaming plover. If you go close, too close to the baby, they attack you. And so you're sort of limited as where you can go. So basically, I stayed inside all weekend because I'm afraid of the birds. Which is weird. I mean, I, I can understand that. But then I'm also afraid to go inside because of the birds inside as well. Um, I hope they're not listening. Uh, anyway... Uh, boy, people got exercised about the plovers at that point. What a bunch of bird haters you are. My God. Well, I think it doesn't do itself any favours with the, the screaming part of the name. I really don't mind it. 
You don't mind a bit of screaming? No, it's, it's, it, it doesn't particularly bother me. They are, of course, the spurwing plover, otherwise known as the screaming plover. Uh, because of their screaming, and they and they are territorial, and they are, they are magpie esque, I guess, when they're protecting the young. But aren't we all? Um, I mean, half of us are in SUVs picking our kids up from school when we live three hundred metres away from a house. I mean, I'm happy to take them off your hands uh, because if I could use, I'm afraid to go outside because I'll be attacked by some kind of vicious bird. Yeah. As an excuse for not doing the gardening or the lawns. Oh, no, fair enough. No, no, no. I'm, well, I'm happy. Halfway, I'll go for it. I only got halfway down the driveway with the spraying because I was getting close to the... Uh, my understanding was, and I am slightly confused, I don't want to bore you with this, but we were walking through the field and in an open part of the ground there were four eggs. And I, we thought, geez, that, that, it didn't look like duck eggs to us because they weren't big enough. So we concluded they were plover eggs. And we looked it up and plover actually lay their eggs in the open which seems the stupidest thing in the world to do. And then they sort of circle and protect them by a circling. And we thought, oh, well, fair enough, whatever. Anyway, they could have been duck eggs because suddenly there's a lot of ducks in the pond. But anyway, if they're plover eggs, uh, only one of them's hatched. And so they protect the plover, little mini plover, because the mini plover can't fly yet. Nasty critters, says another one, may kill the ducklings. Jeez. And you don't want them on your property, says Phil. Why not? They're already on my property. They're all welcome on my property, the heron and the kingfisher. Got a couple of magpies. Do you want to text in and say, I don't want magpies. Magpies are dreadful. Got some ducks I, down there. I'd love for it to happen that now that you've put that out there, that all birds are welcome on your property, that they've somehow <laughs> heard it, and that you know, you'll get back up there and there'll just be it'll be like a scene from Alfred Hitchcock's. No, no, no. It's all good. Uh, they're called puff birds. When you shoot them, they go puff, apparently. I mean, what, what's the matter with you lot? It's just violent bird shooting. Animal hating are birds. Animals, really? I suppose they are. Uh, yeah, and then we got told that we were pronouncing it wrong. And it should be plover. I've, I've no idea because I don't even think I've actually ever heard of one until this morning. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I sort of look at birds and they're all just birds. Oh no! Now I'm going to get the hate mail. I'm Glenn ZB. That uh, was the rewrap for Monday. I'll see you. Uh, who knows what what wildlife will be looking after tomorrow? See you. Later.